Today is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Mark Houck speaks out and video of the incident in front of the Planned Parenthood is finally released. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. Email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Let's get through the news of the cray together. Joining me as always to get through it, Billy Hallowell. Trey is under the weather. Billy, how are you going on this Friday, Junior? Well, I'm doing well, but you know, I don't believe he's sick. I think he's out skiing. Yeah. 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 I think I, he's out skiing or maybe his feelings are hurt after our latest rating that we received where somebody called us a bunch of, um, not heretics, but what did they? Christian nationalists. Christian nationalists. Um Oh, goodness. What was the term? It wasn't heretic. I'll have to look it up. But uh, anyway, I got a chuckle really out of that. They, they really pegged us. They really yeah. pegged us. They got us. The, our Christian nationalist gig is up. So if you've been listening and you're disappointed, we're sorry. We're sorry about that. The The agenda is up. They, they found us out. You and you pesky kids. If you didn't keep poking around, you wouldn't have found it. But anyway, Trey will be back hopefully soon and feeling better. Uh, Billy, you're looking at this uh, interesting story about prayer after the DeMar Hamlin um, story. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a survey showing some really intriguing things about where Americans stand on public calls for prayer. Hmm. Looking forward to the numbers on that and the details on that. On the main thing today, I spoke with Peter Breen, who's Mark Houck's attorney. Houck was acquitted in less than an hour of deliberation. And Breen helped explain the case and what exactly happened in the video that was finally released. And uh, we'll have all that coming up. But first, we are going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And a group of pro-life students were reportedly kicked out of the Smithsonian for wearing pro-life hats. The American Center for Law and Justice, representing the parents of some of the students involved, they're alleging that the museum staff mocked the students, shouted um, curse words at them, and claimed the museum was a neutral zone where political or religious messages were not allowed. Asking visitors to remove hats and clothing is not in keeping with our policy or protocols. We provided immediate training to prevent a reoccurrence of this kind of incident. This is according to Allison Wood, who's the museum's deputy director of communications. And one of the first things the new Republican-controlled House of Representatives did as it gaveled in was to create a new panel dedicated to investigations. It's called the Weaponization of Government Select Committee, and they're vowing to act as a check on ongoing Department of Justice investigations. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy named 12 Republicans to the subcommittee, which was established as part of those negotiations that helped secure him the Speaker's gavel. Jim Jordan spoke to CBN News, and he said, you think about it in the last couple of years, every right we enjoy as Americans under the First Amendment has been attacked. You can read more on his comments over at CBNNews.com. That's interesting to me, Billy, that this um, committee has been created because there's a lot of concern out there, as I'm going to have my conversation with Peter Breen here in a few minutes for you all. Um, there's a lot of concern about how the government is wielding 
some of these offices of the federal government against ordinary Americans. Well, yeah, and that should be something that never happens. That should not be allowed, regardless of opinions on Roe, you know, for or against. When you're in power, you're representing all the people, right? The government is there to represent every American, not to pick and choose. And so if and when people are being targeted, that's unconstitutional and needs to be called out. And because we live in such a chaotic era, um, you know, we, we really do need to be more on top of this, I think. Yeah, and, and as I spoke, uh, you'll hear coming up some of the fascinating details that I spoke with uh, Peter Breen. He kind of broke down the video. Obviously, you're getting the podcast version of it here. You can watch it on our CBN News YouTube channel and actually see the video. But he breaks it down. And it's just super interesting because when you look at all of the elements of this, this is one thing I'd like to mention here just ahead of that interview you look at all the elements, the the raid that didn't have to happen because Hauk voluntarily said he'd come in. They ignored that, raided his house. They had this video evidence, the prosecution, two days after the altercation took place. When you watch the evidence and you know the context of it and the charges, a FACE Act violation, it's very clear that one was not committed here. The jury took less than an hour to deliberate this. So you add up all these things, Billy, and you just think, why in the world did this make it to the federal level? And you look at the timing of it and you cannot help but think but political persecution because the timing of it was when did this arrest and raid happen? Late September, just a month ahead of a big election. And what was one of the big topics on this election cycle? It was the life issue in the wake of Roe. And so you just can't help but look at it and say, what were they doing here? Another thing Breen had told me was that the federal government does not take cases unless they know they're going to win. Their success rate is like almost always on their cases because they take slam dunk cases. This one was deliberated on in less than an hour and he was acquitted. What in the world happened here? So I, I think this is a concern people have that the that politicians are getting more and more comfortable with using these agencies against regular Americans to make political yeah. points. Yeah, no, that's, that is a hundred percent. Yeah. That, that question you asked, I think too, if Roe had not been overturned, if Dobbs hadn't been passed, um, you know, by the Supreme court, would this have even happened? Mm. And those are important questions to ask because again, if something is happening legally, there should not be a ramification on the other side of that going after people with whom you might disagree. And we can't say that definitively happened, but you have to at least ask those questions. Yeah, yes. And we will continue to ask those questions, even if it makes some of the listeners call us blasphemous, Billy. That's the word. I finally remembered it as we were sitting here chit-chatting. The Blasphemy Podcast. Unbelievable. Anyway, um, let's look at our focus story here. And you've got an interesting one, Billy on what Americans think about prayer. Obviously, during the whole Damar Hamlin crazy episode there where he collapsed, suffered cardiac arrest, almost died, but is now on the mend, there were a lot of people in prayer in unlikely places. And so, and the, in the wake of that, what, what do Americans think about prayer? What's the story here? You know, it's interesting because this this poll came weeks after this happened, as you said, and the actual question included DeMar Hamlin. The question was, in light of the public outpouring of prayer for NFL player DeMar Hamlin, do you believe that public calls for prayer after a national tragedy are helpful 
or pointless? And so voters, U.S. voters were asked this question in this poll. And what's so interesting is that 67%, almost 7 in 10 Americans believe that public calls for prayer, again, these are very public calls, that after a national tragedy, those things are effective and helpful. Um, so that's a that's a pretty encouraging statistic in light of everything we see going on in culture. There was another 20% who said that these prayer calls are pointless, right? <laughs> um, so that's two in 10 people saying that. Yeah. And then there were 13% who, who were unsure of what they thought about that. Yeah, that is really interesting. I mean, we're coming off of what seemed to be Anytime prayer was brought up, let's say after, you know, a tragic shooting or something of that nature, you had a lot of people, at least it would feel like, saying, I'll forget you and your thoughts and prayers, you know, yada, yada, we need action. So you kind of got the sense that there was this disdain for prayer, obviously not among Christians, but among just the general schlubs of the population. Um, but this uh, appears to, to buck that. Was there anything else interesting from the survey that you thought? Yeah, no, there there was one thing that really stood out to me in light of what you just said, because on, on gun control, that often will come from yeah. people on the secular side, right? Or right. On, the, on the political left, let's say. Um, but when you when you looked at the party affiliation breakdown of this, it was really interesting because, I mean, you, you're going to gasp when I say this, but Republicans and Democrats were mostly in agreement on this. Really? Seven, yeah, 73% of Republican voters felt that these public prayer calls were effective and 65% of Democrats felt that way. Um, independents, 62%. So, you know, that that's interesting because independents, a lot of the times they end up in between Republicans and Democrats, yeah. but they were the least likely, <laughs> but it was still 62% to, uh, to see this as helpful. Well, this feels pretty sunshiny for Christians, um, <laughs> you know, in, in a Usually where we get a lot of negative news, you know, regarding like the overall trends of Christianity right now, the, the latest ones are always like, oh, people are leaving the faith and they're deconstructing and et cetera, et cetera. So this is a good one. Was there anything concerning in, in these stats that you found? Yeah. Cue the music. There was. Oh, boy. I mean, so, <laughs> wah, wah. Well, and, I think, and I think this is really, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Young people, 18 to 29 year olds. We know that cult, what culture has been feeding young people for so long now you know, I think a lot of that's coming to fruition. People don't aren't really connected to faith. And you see that come out in these surveys. So among 18 to 29-year-olds, only 55%, so it's still more than half, but 55% said that these prayers are helpful. 27% said they were senseless. Um, and, and what's so interesting is when you look at the generations, the older you get, the more you learn about life, right? And so you take those 65 and, and older individuals who were surveyed and 77% of them felt that these prayers were helpful. So 77 versus 55% of the young people, that's a, that's a notable difference. Yeah, it is. And look, I mean, I, this is just the thought that I'm having as you're going through these numbers. I think one of the strongest evidences for God's existence would be that anyone comes out of the kind of public schooling, indoctrination system, and still believes in God. I mean, if you, with the way that they're pushing God outside of it, in general, obviously not every example, but pushing God to the sideline, making it feel like this taboo thing that you shouldn't be doing. And um, you'd think that everyone coming out of there would be a raging atheist. And uh, uh, the fact that anyone comes out and believes, I think, is a testament to God's goodness and his grace that he pulls people out of this. But um, so, I mean, so we do have to keep watching the the younger crowds because it, it, that it does still does seem to be a concerning trend, right? 
Yeah, and I, and I think it's it's a reminder that we need to reach younger people, right, with yeah. the truth. And, you know, it's not going to just, a lot of people, are, it's like pie in the sky. Oh, younger generations are always less faithful, and they'll just come around. Well, some of them will, but, but when you look at these numbers, they are the least faithful of any generation ever yeah. at this point in time. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's a real issue. It well, is. and I think... I think a lot of that has to do with just parents being diligent about and it because it's not easy. You know, you're going about your day. I mean, I have four kids myself, ages 17 down to seven. And and so, you know, you're, you're doing your best to impart this on them. But you're just you're really just trusting in God's grace and goodness because it's it's difficult to really um, get to the heart of everything. And you do you do have to kind of, as Scripture says, teach them as they get up, as they walk on the way, as they lie down and go to bed. You have to just be pointing to God as often as you can, because we've talked about it on this podcast, Billy, the competing worldviews like there, there is no neutral. People are after your kids and their views um, because they want to bring more people into the fold. So you have to combat that. And if you're just sort of agnostic on that front and you're just like, oh, no, we'll just let them go through and kind of not say much, you know, it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. You got to prepare them. And um, I think I think stories like this and I mean, there's a lot of positive in this one. But when you see a lot of these trends, I mean, I think we should take that as a as a call to action, really. Yeah. And, and my final comment on it is that we know from research repeatedly again and again that prayer and faith are what is good for people. Yeah. You have better mental health. I mean, you can go down the line on this. And so we need to be pointing people in that direction. Yeah. And the family, when you keep the um, biblical standard of a family together it uh, tends to have better results as well. And so, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Billy, thanks for bringing that. Appreciate it. We're going to head into the main thing now. And as I said, we talked to Peter Breen, the Thomas More Society. They are coming off a big win, what they're calling a big win in for the pro-life movement. As Mark Houck was acquitted in less than an hour, it took for the jury to deliberate um, this case. So what happened here? Why did this thing get to the federal level in the first place how did it get there and what actually happened we have the video evidence now well peter is gonna walk us through that on today's main thing all right peter so i appreciate you being here i want to dive right into this video because this is something that was not seen ahead of time by the public and now that the verdict is in and mark has been acquitted very interesting going through this video and so i want to take a look at this with you right here and can you help us walk through what we're pause seeing it right there okay so hang on so you gotta gotta pull it back a little bit um so what what you want to uh what you want to see is where mark jr is so his foot his little foot you know then 12 year old mark jr so if you watch right here uh there he is he's right by the wall so this is the wall uh, this is something called locust street in in you know, in the heart of Philadelphia, uh, the Planned Parenthood gates are down at the at the bottom of your screen, about 50 feet away. Mark Jr. is they are they are away from the gates. Mark Jr.'s back is against the wall. He's drinking a bottle of water, bothering no one. As you can see, his dad, that's Mark Houck, our defendant. He's just looking for looking for folks and praying. And actually, at this point, uh, it's been about 30 minutes since he's seen anybody. So no patients out there. It was a slow day at the clinic. And any uh, most of the patients would be coming to the front gates anyway. They get dropped off right in front if you're taking Uber or Lyft. Um, so this is, you know, Mark is really more there with his son away from the gates and just to pray and do a little bit of sidewalk counseling, but mostly to pray and be with his son. Hmm. And now you can watch 
Mr. Love. So this is Mr. This is Bruce Love. This is an aggressive abortion escort. Now look where he stands. Uh, a sidewalk square away from another man's son, 12 year old son, uh, really within, you know, when, when you looked at him in court, you know, you put their shoulders up against each other. I mean, you're talking about a foot difference. You've got a, a 72 year old man that has used profanity in front of your son. He's made crude sexual references in front of your son and to you as Mark senior. Uh, so you're going to react, uh, just as a father pretty negatively yeah. to seeing that, uh, just right in front of you. Yeah. And before we go further in the video here, um, Peter, we can't obviously hear it on this clip, but um, it's it's interesting to know. I mean, the, Mark alleges that he was using profanity and being very crude in front of. In, so it wasn't like he was just standing there uh, and just trying to intimidate or something like he was he was being pretty vulgar. Well, they've got history. So that's the thing. Love's been out there at that clinic for 30 years. Mark had been out there on and off for 20. But in past incidents with Mark Jr. present. Love had used foul language, you know, to the nth degree, um, you know, and just, and he, I mean, the, Love has a history with all of the sidewalk counselors of just, you know, F word all like crazy and, and, and really crude things that you just mm. can't even allude to uh, on a family program. Uh, so they have history. And then this man walks and stands up next to your 12 year old son who's doing nothing wrong. And so then that's what proceeds here. Uh, yeah. Mark had told him, you know, Mark keep tells him, get away from my son, go back. Now, Mark Jr. gets out of the way uh, and Mark Jr. is out of the screen. Love can still see Mark Sr., but Love comes off the wall to talk to Mark Jr. And at that point, Mark Halk, our defendant, he gets hot. And um, so now if you notice something there, scrub it back a little bit. Mark Sr. actually tells him, go back, go back to your place, stay away from my son. Now watch slow motion this part. Uh, so Love is actually walking back. Stop right there. Mark Sr. turned away, went back to his post until Love wheels around and he starts jawing with him again. So Love on three different occasions incites a further altercation, provokes it. First by walking up and standing next to a man's son. He certainly has uh, you know, no right to do so. And certainly that is not a wanted presence on that front. Mm. Then he comes off the wall and goes around the corner to speak directly to Mark Jr., which gets Mark Sr. hot again, and, and understandably. I mean, my goodness. But even then, if Love hadn't wheeled back around and started to come back into it, you still get no push. So the jury got to see that, got to hear from the witnesses what was actually said by the individuals. You know, and, and they got other evidence, too. Turns mm -hmm. out Mr. Love and the security director of Planned Parenthood selected this video clip and only this video clip to give to the FBI and Planned Parenthood deleted all the rest of the video from all of their other cameras. So you didn't get to see a better view. The FBI nor Planned Parenthood, they didn't collect any video from these six different other cameras on other buildings and the police camera at the corner. They didn't do anything to preserve the evidence of this. Mm. And in any other federal prosecution where the FBI is called in, they're preserving everything. I mean, they're doing their jobs well. Uh, here, it's literally a minute and a half of videotape from Bruce Love, select, hand-selected by the Planned Parenthood security director. Yeah. And so all of that came out at trial. This is It's really remarkable. And if I remember right, I think it was the DOJ's statement at the time was, you know, because remember, the, the push is essentially, when it, where it, when it happens over here, you know, whatever you want to call that, a simple assault, anything that it could possibly be in the legal system, it's certainly 
is not in the classification of a FACE Act violation. And he was facing 11 years in prison over this, also had his home raided by the FBI in a very heavy-handed, heavily armed SWAT-like raid um, all over this when they had the video evidence all along. Uh, Peter, it just, it really makes me wonder how this thing went along. And I'm wondering, are you guys going to pursue, is Mark going to pursue any answers in this case? Because when the government can wield the FBI and the DOJ like this in a case, which I believe it was you that told me, Peter, that the that the federal government, they do, they do not take these cases unless they win. They're, they know they're going to win. They have a very high success rate. This one clearly uh, was a very weak case and had a low percent chance of winning. How did this get through? Was it a rogue prosecutor somewhere or did it come from higher up? My question to you is, are you guys going to pursue answers on this? Well, and this is the place where, you know, when you're in the criminal system, your win is to get an acquittal. And so that is the real, really the end of the criminal process. But Congress has already set up a subcommittee. It's, it's the U.S. House, uh, the Republicans in the House who are pro-life have set up a subcommittee on the abuse of the FACE Act. And so that is really where the American people can get justice from the Justice Department, get answers from the Attorney General. Uh, and we saw, even at the time of the raid, uh, congressmen and senators were going, what is going on here? And and we had, you know, those offices reached out to us and they said very quietly, they said, you know, does Mark have a you know, a criminal record or what's, why would, they just don't do this. The government doesn't send 25 agents out to people. And we looked and, you know, look, Mark has no criminal record to speak of and certainly none that would justify this where we in May of 2022, our attorneys had said to the U.S. government, we said, we sent a letter to him. You've got no case. We sold, told him that flat out. But then we also said, if you decide to charge anyway, we will present him. Just send us the summons. That's how it's yeah. done in the federal system. So not a there is not a single federal officer who needed to be pulled off of other duties. You know, looking at actual crime, actual crimes, and actual criminals, to arrest Mark, much less send twenty five to terrorize his family and to you know long guns, ballistic shields, uh, battering rams. You know, as part of the discovery in this case, I mean, we we got you know some items there that that talk more about this. I hope the Congress uh, is able to look at that. I hope they highlight uh, the the excessive lengths that they went to to come after Mark. Well, we appreciate Peter stopping by and taking the time to break this all down after uh, that big victory in court. Um, there's certainly going to be uh, more to come on that story as maybe perhaps some of these newly created uh, panels and committees within Congress are going to Perhaps look at this issue and what happened there. So, uh, again, you can check out that whole video over at the CBN News YouTube channel. All right. That's going to leave us with time for one last thing. This is Mark 424. It's Jesus speaking. He says, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. And it just makes me think about the fact we don't listen well as a culture. <laughs> I mean, obviously, spiritually, there's a bigger ramification here. Like, what are you hearing? What are you listening to? What are you taking in? But are you listening to not only what you're hearing and are you yeah. processing, but what are you not hearing? Yeah, and right? I would combine that with the scripture that says, be slow to speak, quick to listen. Because so often we get something in our mind, a thought, at least for me, and I'm not speaking at you, I'm speaking to me, and I 
want to just get my response in and I don't really fully soak in what what's being said. And, um, you know, we can we can tend to do that. We let our own kind of thoughts get in the way of scripture and what God wants us to really hear. So that's a great, uh, great reminder as we end this uh, Friday, Junior, and get ready to head one step closer to the weekend. As always, you can head over to CBNNews.com, FaithWire.com, get more news from a Christian perspective. And Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We're going to be back here tomorrow with more of the same. God bless. We shall see you then.